Over the last year, we have seen God do some incredible things at Redeemer. We've seen families get connected. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen lives changed to gospel. We've seen biblically serious disciples made and baptisms and the list goes on. This is all in year one. God alone gets the credit for all this that, that the Spirit is doing here, and now He is leading people to all truth in His Word. It's been, a, it's been a joy to watch God work in the lives of our people, and it's liberating as a pastor that I'm not the one having to keep all these things going. Ministry is happening, and I'm not having to press on people or constantly check in with people. This is a clear indicator that God is at work, and we are dependent on his spirit of the, to do the work of ministry. And some of you know the history of this church and how we started, and some of you don't, and that's totally okay. Here's what you need to know, that we want to be a church who is faithful to God, to the gospel, and to the city. Faithfulness is what people need. If we are faithful to the three aforementioned things, God will do what he does best, and that's bring glory to himself through his church. Let that be true here at Redeemer. And as we begin to look at the new year, we need to ask ourselves some diagnostic questions, not only for you personally, but as a church body. As a church body. It's easy to make New Year's resolutions and plan out the year and think, this is the year that I will finally, for me, it's usually get healthy, okay? For this, year, it's the, uh, this year, I will finally do this. The hard thing is, will we follow through? This is where faithfulness comes in. Do we need consistency? Of course. Do we need commitment? Yes, of course. But the foundation for all of this is faithfulness. At the beginning of the year in 2018, a pastor came to speak at the church I was working at at the time. He spent time giving us tools on how to have a more robust prayer time and also a hunger for God's word in the new year. There was nothing special about the way he said it, and, and he did not lay a guilt trip on us or anything like that. His message was clear. Lead yourself and everything else will fall into place. That was his message. Something shifted inside of me, and the Holy Spirit convicted me deeply about how inconsistent I was in leading myself and how I was failing to lead my family. I took time to repent to God, and I even took my family aside, and I repented to my family. From that moment on, God has been working in me, and I have worked hard to build consistency in, into my spiritual disciplines, and I have seen growth in many areas of my life. This was a, an, an awakening moment for me. That even as a worship pastor, as a college pastor, did I read the Bible? Did I study the Bible? Yes. But it was primarily for my work. And the Holy Spirit, through this pastor that came to speak, convicted me of the fact that I wasn't leading myself. I was good at leading a ministry, and I was good at leading people in worship and all those things, but I wasn't leading myself in, in God's Word, and I wasn't leading my family. And from this moment on, I realized that I needed to take these things seriously, 
as the, 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 head, the head of our household. So here's a diagnostic question. Will you trust me as your pastor to lead you out of my very own disciplines and help you build consistency in your own life? Now, this, I talked about this when we were opening the service this morning that I've heard people, and I've said it myself, well, I left that church because they weren't feeding me. And my job as a pastor, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's my job, okay? Uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, here's, here's the truth about all of this. I can't go to work with you. I can't come home with you. I can't interact with your family with you all the time on holidays or birthdays and things like that. So if I'm doing my job and I'm leading you well out of my own being led, then you will lead yourself and then you'll have conversations at work or at home or at a family gathering and that conversation will one day be, it, it, it might be a family member whose life is falling apart and you, it just comes out of you one day. The gospel just comes out of you. That's already been true for some people even in this room right here, that they've been gospeled so much over the last few years that it just comes out of them. That's, they've heard it so much that it just comes out of them. But the question is, will you trust me as your pastor to lead you and to help you build consistency in your own life? It's been clear since March 2020 that we have no idea what tomorrow holds. It was true before that, but really in March 2020 was when it really, we really became aware of it. The inconsistency of the last two years has done a number on our minds, and anxiety in the average American has multiplied since before 2020. What is one of the causes of all of this? Plain and simple, it's a lack of leadership. If we are not given clear vision for what we can expect or how we can move forward in the face of adversity, anxiety builds in our minds and in our hearts, and sin creeps in by the same way of that anxiety. Now I realize that not everyone in leadership positions who lead our country or who lead our states or who lead our counties can look into the future and tell us what to expect, but they can tell us what we are going to do in response to all that comes our way. There is something in this that gives us a backbone and bolsters our faith. We need vision from those we trust in leadership positions. Would you agree with me in that? We need vision from those who we trust in leadership positions. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29. I'm going to spend some time on this verse. Proverbs 29, verse 18. It will be up on the screen for you if you'd like to follow, on, follow along there. It says, where there is, and I'm reading out of the ESV, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who keeps the law. This gives us insight into what vision is. 
as a reminder, the book of Proverbs is written to remind us to marry ourselves to God's wisdom. Now, all we have to do is turn on the news nowadays. All we have to do is turn on the news and you see a world filled with foolishness. Amen? I mean, that, that's, that's all that you see is, is foolishness. Our world needs wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is reminding us to marry ourselves to wisdom, to know wisdom embodied, and that wisdom is Jesus. We marry ourselves to the wisdom of God. His ways are better ways for us to live as his people, and we need his wisdom to live well in his world. Let me say that one more time. We need God's wisdom to live well in his world. I, that's as simple as I can make it. God created the world, and he made things to work the way they should work, according to his standards, according to his will and his decree. So we would need his wisdom, we need his mind, so that we can live well in this world. Because when we don't, we fall into sin, right? That's what we, we fall into foolishness. Chapter 29 is specifically one written with correction in mind. If you now, if you're a parent in this room, if you love your kids, you will correct them when they are wrong, correct? Okay? They, our kids, our children need correction, the Bible tells us, okay? Uh, and, and I know for a fact that as, as, as a kid, I needed correction. I remember one time, I, I loved S Superman growing up. I loved Superman and Spider-Man. Now, the Spider-Man suit didn't fit me very well, obviously, so I would just wear a cape, and I would get this red towel that my mom had, and I would tie it around my neck, and I would drape it down my back, and I would pretend like I was Superman, and my plan was to get up on the roof of our house and jump off and see if I could fly, okay? And I was, I don't know, I was probably 15 at the time time. No, I wasn't 15. I was like five, okay? I was a little guy. And I had tied, one day I had tied this red towel so tightly around my neck that I had trouble breathing. I was like, uh-oh, this is not right. And I had tied this knot in this towel, okay? And I went and I was like, well, my mom has these really sharp scissors. Surely I could cut this towel off and they would never be able to tell. So I'm walking down the hallway with my mom's scissors. I'm walking with scissors in my hand trying to cut this towel off of my neck, okay? And my mom sees me and what do you think my mom does? She didn't ignore me. She corrected me, right? She stopped me by screaming like a Mexican mom does, okay? She screamed out loud, what in the world are you doing, you know? And uh, thankfully I didn't like shove the scissors into my neck, but uh, she corrected me in that moment. She took me aside, she took the towel off me, she sat me on her bed and she said, this is why I got so upset that you were trying to cut this towel off of your neck with these scissors. Our children need correction. The people of God, listen to me, church, the people of God need correction. We need correction as his people. We need not only course correction, but we need to be told when we are in sin. 
I have a group of men that I trust here at Redeemer that, that they would call me out in sin if they needed to. They would sit me down and they say, Ricky, we see patterns in your life that you are isolating yourself or you're acting like a bully or you're saying things that are hurtful to people. I have men in my life who I trust who, who would call me out in sin and I would call them out in sin as well. God's people need correction. And that's what the book of Proverbs, and specifically chapter 29, is reminding us. If, if you would read that whole chapter at some point, you'll, you'll, get that, you'll get this rhythm of correction. And verse 18 gives us insight to what true leadership looks like. The ESV, which we read the majority of the time here, uh, the ESV says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Now, let me, let me break this down for just a minute. The prophetic vision is not this, like, where I can look into the future and I can tell you things about your life that you didn't know. That kind of prophecy, we believe here at Redeemer, we believe that that prophecy has ended when it ended with the apostles, okay? We don't believe that that kind of prophecy takes place anymore. What the book of Proverbs here is saying, an encouragement, an encouragement where there is no encouraging vision, the people cast off restraint. Now, I'm going to go back to parents. When you're walking through um, the grocery store and you've got a, a little one with you and you know you need to go left and you're, you've got your little kid with you, do you let them go right? Absolutely not. You know that you need to go left, so you're going to take them left with you, okay? That is what this verse is, is breaking down for us. We need to go find food here, so we're going to go this way. We're going to turn left, okay? And where there is no encouraging vision, Proverbs 29, 18 is saying, where there is no encouraging vision, the people cast off restraint. It's like a kid pulling away from your hand, not wanting to go that way. Because all you're doing is telling them how stupid they are, how dumb they are for wanting to go their own way. But when you're showing this, is this connecting for you now? When, this, when you're showing this child who needs correction, hey, this is why we need to go this way. Even though it might not make sense to you right now, we need to go left right here, even though you want to go right. This is encouraging prophetic vision where people do not cast off restraint. The Legacy Standard Bible says, in the same essence, it, it uses this clear language, but it says, it says, uh, where there is no vision, the people are out of control. They cannot be restrained any longer because they're so discouraged. The last part of that verse is, a faithful to God and his word leads to blessing. Let's look at that one more time. Proverbs 29, 18. I think I lost my spot. No, I didn't. 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now here's, let, let me... Let me do some, some, some Bible work here, okay? Because it's easy to say, well, if I'll just do these things, then God will bless me. And in essence, yes, it's saying that. If you do these things, God will bless you. But that's because you're being led well by a good king. Look at me, church. 
If you are being led well by a good king, then yes, your life will be blessed. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get a new car. It doesn't mean you're going to get a bigger house. It doesn't mean you're going to get better clothes. That, those blessings might not come materially. But when adversity comes, we have peace. When confusion comes, we have understanding. That's what this blessing, the Bible's trying to help us see. It's not about material things. It's about being led well by a good king. So blessing comes when you follow a good king, when you are led by a good king. God gives us clear direction in his word on how we lead ourselves and how we lead those given to us to lead. Again, if we are led by God in his word and prayer, we lead ourselves and everything else falls into place. Now, I'm trying to, I'm trying to communicate what happened for me in, in 2018. I felt like when I would go to work, like everyone would be like, man, Ricky, you do such a great job at this, and you, do, you're, you lead really well here, and, and you do, you're, you're doing a lot, and it seemed like when I'd go to work, I'd be like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I love being patted on the back. And then I would go home, and Callie and I were not on the same page. My kids and I were completely disconnected. I could lead well as a pastor, but I was not leading my family well. And I'll tell you from experience, all the way back in 2006 when Callie came to me and she said, if you want to be married to the church, you can have it. But I can't, I can't do this anymore. To hear those words come out of my wife's mouth, I never wanted to hear her say that again. So I knew that I had to lead myself well by being led by the Spirit in God's Word and in prayer. That is the greatest gift, men, listen to me, that is the greatest gift you can give your families, is to lead yourself. Lead yourself in God's Word. Lead yourself in prayer. If those things are happening, something else is going to start leading you. Our attention is pulled by a million different things. And those, a lot of those things might not be bad things. It might be sports, entertainment, whatever it is. Those might not be sinful things. But when they become the most important things to us, then we've lost our way. We have completely lost our way. Men, your wives and your children are dying to be led. My, my wife and my kids told me that without telling me. By watching the tears stream down their face when I was repenting of sin, it, it, was, it was this clear communication that I was not leading them well. And I needed to tell them that I was sorry for not leading them well. I was, not, I was not providing that prophetic vision, that encouraging vision to them. So guess what my family was doing? They were casting off all restraint. This verse was coming true in the opposite way for me. I was leading well at church and I was not leading well at home. 
God, listen church, God first and foremost created the family before he created the church. Did you hear that? God first and foremost created the family before he created the church. So where are we headed this year? Here's some vision that comes for us as a church family. The longer we do ministry, the more clear things get. But we want, our desire here at Redeemer is to keep things simple. Our most honest desire at Redeemer is to see people truly converted to Christ and made biblically serious disciples. That is a prayer that I often pray. I want to see people come to know Christ. And this is an, here's an honest confession. I want to see people saved, and I have been praying that it happens all the time. And when it doesn't happen on my timeline, I start to impose my own will on it as a pastor. Does that mean I'm going to stop preaching the gospel and start preaching some fluff? No, I'm not. This is what I'm called to do. I'm called to preach the word in season and out of season. Now, let me, let me say this. This last week was a hard week for me as a pastor. It was an exhausting week, and it was, it was one week that, that drained me emotionally because we had to put one of our own people into the ground. That was a hard thing for me as a pastor, the very first person that I had to bury as a pastor. That was emotionally draining for me. There were some nights where I didn't sleep. But God's word is clear that even in those times where I am tried and I am tired and and I'm exhausted mentally and, and physically, that I have to be ready to preach his word in season and out of season. I can't just get up here and be like, well, I think I'm just going to shoot from the hip this morning and just see what comes out. Or I'm just going to stand here and and I'm going to get this direct word from God until he speaks to me. He's spoken. (laughs) He's spoken not only to me, but he's spoken to you in his word. I don't have to get some direct revelation from God because I've got it here. This is where I get our vision from for Redeemer. This is where I get our vision. And when I impose it on myself, because I want to see people saved, I want to see people baptized, I want to see people made disciples, is where people begin to cast off restraint because they don't want to follow that. They want to follow a good king. So here's our aim to keep doing what we were doing in 2021, keep doing in 2022. Now, pastors usually take this moment at the first of the year and they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to add this and we're going to do this and we're going to add some, you know, some, uh, some really cool lights to our building and, and do all these things and make sure like we've got this carnival that people can come to. And, and as I sat and prayed, that's not at all what I felt impressed on by God. What I felt impressed on was keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. I've called you to be faithful to the city. So if you change, if you change courses now, that's going to throw people off the ship. So keep doing what you're doing. That is our aim, is to do what we were doing in 2021 to do in 2022. Now, do we want to see God add to our number here physically? Yes, of course. 
But are we going to rush year 10 into year two? Absolutely not. When I do marriage counseling, especially with a young couple, and they're like, well, you know, and they start talking about their parents and like what their parents have and, and what their parents could buy and things like that. Often what I'll say is, hey, don't rush year 15 into year, into year five. When you've been married five years, don't expect year 15. You can't expect that. You have to live in year five because that's where you're at. And that's the reality of your moment. So don't, we're not going to rush year 10 into year two. We keep our hands on the plow and our eyes fixed on Jesus. A faithful leader equals a faithful people. Let me say that one more time. A faithful leader equals a faithful people. So what's my ask of you? And I, I'm going to try to make this not sound like a car salesman sales pitch or anything like that. What's my ask of you as your pastor? If you're investing your time, if you're investing your talent, if you're investing your treasure here at Redeemer, stay faithful to those things. And, and also I want to say as your pastor, thank you. Thank you for investing your time, your talent, and your treasure here at Redeemer. If you're not, would you consider that this morning? Would you consider your time? Connecting to a gospel community. Coming and staying faithful to our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship. When we offer equipping classes like we have in the past, would you consider coming to those equipping classes? Would you consider covenant partnership with us here at Redeemer? That's how you would invest your time. Now what about your talent? is to serve our church in different opportunities. You hear all those kiddos in there? We have an opportunity to serve kids here at Redeemer. That is a unique opportunity not a lot of churches get. We have a unique opportunity to serve kids. Well, you have a new, unique opportunity to serve here doing sound or, or uh, media or uh, helping us with the worship team. There's different opportunities for you to serve with your talents. And then lastly, your treasure. Are you giving? And some of you are, and you've been faithful, and we thank God for you. And here's, here's where the pressure is applied by some pastors, you know. And I've even said this myself. Well, you have to give a certain amount, and if you're not, God's not too thrilled with you. But here's, here's what I would say as a pastor. Start giving something and build on that. Start giving something and build on that. I've, I've made this confession from the pulpit several times that Callie and I were not faithful givers until just a few years ago. We would give here and there, and we would give a certain amount, and, you know, we would, look, we would look at our account and be like, okay, do we have enough money for the bills? Okay, we do. So now we can give God the leftovers. Instead of taking a percentage of what God gave us from the beginning, and giving that to the church. Now, I'll say this, because th when it comes to financial giving, sometimes it's like people kind of get this glazed over look and like, oh gosh, the pastor's asking for money and all these things. We don't need your money. God does not need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
He does not need your money. What he wants is your heart. And guess what is tied so closely to your heart? Is your wallet. So if we offer that as a sacrifice to God and say, God, I'm going to start giving something to help the ministry move forward. God will bless that. And again, don't hear, oh, sweet, I'm going to start giving so I can get a new car, I can get a new house, and like Oprah, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. That's not how God operates. You might never see uh, uh, some material blessing that comes out of you giving financially. But here's what you are doing. You're being obedient to what the Bible says. And that's what's the most important thing. So I would, con I would ask that you would consider giving of your time, of your talent, and of your treasure. Those are my asks. So here's where I want to end our time. A faithful God equals a faithful people. His people are a reflection of who he is. From the very beginning of the story in Scripture, God has been faithful. There's a word in the Hebrew that describes this faithfulness. This word in the Hebrew is chesed, okay? You can spell it C-H-E-S-E-D or H-E-S-E-D, chesed. It means a loyal love, a steadfast love, a faithful love. Listen, church, despite your and my own unfaithfulness, God is chesed. God is faithful. He is loyal in his love. Birthed out of this faithfulness is a people of his own making and his own choosing. Think of this for just a second. God predestined for you to be a part of Redeemer from the foundations of time and knew how he would wire you and how he would equip you to help, you bring, to help him bring himself glory in this place. God did that. God knew that you would be here at this time in this place to serve this body and to bring him glory. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 really quickly. Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Make sure you underline, highlight this one. Ephesians 2 verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. All of that, Ephesians 2.10 is saying, God did that. God made you the way he made you. He called you in, into salvation so that you could serve this body here at this time. Because church, listen to me. For, for, for many of us, we have maybe 85 years on planet Earth, and that's not promised to us either. And my question is, how will you live those years that you have here? Will you live them for yourself, or you, will you live them for someone else? The Westminster Shorter Catechism question one says, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This is your purpose, is God's glory. 
If you ever feel purposeless, like you don't have purpose, remind yourself that you were created for God's glory. That's what you were made for, is for God's glory. So how do we glorify God? We remember his faithfulness, and in turn, it informs our faithfulness to him. Let me say that one more time. How do we glorify God? We remember his faithfulness, and in turn, it, inf it informs our faithfulness to him. Simply, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and when we don't, we repent of the sin that we were in, that we were participating in, and we look to him again. The more we look to Christ, the more we hate the sin we once loved. Did you hear that? The more that we look to Christ and we repent of our sin, the more we hate the sin that we once participated in and the more we love Christ. Turn to this last place, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, this is known as the Great Commission, starting in verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. What are those three words there? But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is, listen church, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, is Proverbs 29:18 personified. Jesus, in that moment, gives his church clear vision. This is what you are going to do as the church. This is how you are going to be set up, and it's all done in my name. You don't have to, like, try to figure things out. That, and that's, that's what it's become, especially here in the United States of America, in the West. It's like these pastors sitting down and banging their head against the wall trying to figure out how to get people to come. When all a city wants is a faithful church, a Christ-exalting church, a simple church. A church who doesn't ask their people to constantly be going here and doing these things and make sure you go to men's Bible study and all these things, but it's to stay as simple as possible and be obedient to these things, to make disciples of all nations. Faithful to God, faithful to the gospel, and faithful to our city. That is our mission, as clearly as I can state it. We want to be faithful to God, we want to be faithful to the gospel, and we want to be faithful to our city. So I, this morning, I do this every week, I want to invite you into this. Ben, you can go ahead and make your way up. I want to invite you into this. If you are not in Christ this morning, you cannot enjoy, listen, you cannot enjoy the blessing that comes with Proverbs 29, 18. You cannot walk in the law the way it says if you are apart from Christ. The only thing that's promised to you is eternal wrath under Almighty God for eternity.
that's the only thing that's promised to you if you are outside of Christ. So my invitation to you this morning is to come to Christ. Repent of your sin and believe. Put your faith in Christ and Him alone. He is the only one that can save you. And if you are in Christ this morning, would you take some time as we worship, we respond in worship in just a moment, and would you take a moment and ask yourself, am I leading myself? Am I leading myself in prayer? Am I leading myself in reading of God's Word? And if you're not, I would love to help you. I would love to give you suggestions. I would love to give you tools to do that. That is my hope as your pastor. Ask yourself those questions. Let's pray.